Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. your Bibles, if you will, please. Turn to Revelation chapter 20. Take out your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 20. Once again, it's good to see you all here. I want to say thank you to uh, Brother Daniel and Brother Paul and uh, Brother John for filling in in my absence while we were out on our family vacation. And uh, we certainly had a great family vacation. Uh, It was a great time of just bonding with each other. Sometimes life gets so hectic, you just got to get away so you can spend time with one another. And uh, we were able to enjoy that and and do that. So thank you for your prayers. Many of you sent text messages and emails and let me know you were praying. So I certainly do appreciate that. Uh, But it's good to be back. Good to be back home. Good to be back at Victory. Uh, Also good to see Miss Alice back there. Patty's mother is with us today. So good to see her in our our worship service uh, today, this morning. Uh, While we were away, though, we had some pretty intense family conversations on our family vacation Uh, Most of you probably know by now, but my daughter now is a part of the United States Air Force. Uh, She has entered the Air Force Reserves. Congratulations, Kristen. Uh, That that consumed a lot of our family, uh, I guess, communication time while we were away, deciding if that was God's will or not, and we just feel it is, and it was several weeks, and... uh, I guess about six weeks or so, that we were praying about that and thinking about that. And some of you have come and said, well, why didn't you tell me? Well, we really, seriously, we really felt this just needed to be a family decision that we made in the house with the family. Uh, And I realized we could have got great counsel from many of you. Uh, We did seek some of those that we had confidence in on the military side of things to seek counsel. Uh, But that's why we just wanted to keep it under the hats. We didn't want it to be out all over Facebook and all over the media and all over conversations. And, and so I hope and pray you respect us for that. And I hope your feelings weren't hurt because we had no ill feelings that we were trying or harm that we were trying to do. We just need, felt we need to keep that decision in-house until it was made. So I hope you can respect that. And uh, we're real excited for Kristen and her future. Uh, she will be leaving on January the 3rd to go to basic training in San Antonio and then stay down there through about the month of August as well. So then come back here at Scott and be working. And uh, so uh, continue to be much in prayer uh, for our family and for her as we just transition. And man, there's so many different stages. I tell you, you mothers with small ones right now, you enjoy. I promise you. There's so many different stages you're going to be going through. So t- covet every moment you have to hold them in your arms, uh, to change the diapers, to push them around in a stroller, to put them in and out of car seats, uh, to tell them no when they're getting into everything in the toddler age, uh, to all the ball games and things that you'll experience when they come through the elementary ages, uh, through all the first crushes they're going to have when they get into the middle school ages. I mean, so many different stages of parenting that you're going to go through. And you know what I've discovered? It never changes. It just keeps changing from one stage to another. And I guess you grandparents that are out there, 
there can certainly give me some counsel and advice how it certainly continues to change even when you're a grandparent. Uh, so just enjoy life. Don't wish it away. Uh, life is short enough. Don't, don't wish for a, you know, the next five or ten years to come. Just enjoy today and enjoy your family today while you have them. And I see these grandpas. Look at these grandpas holding these babies right here. I see two right here. And uh, so anyhow, enjoy that, Grandpa. Revelation chapter 20. We're going to continue our summer series. And today I'm going to be speaking on what does the Bible say about the millennial reign of Christ. This is our summer, summer series on end time prophecy. And uh, we've spent the entire summer dealing with this subject. And I felt like we've been very, we, we've tried our best to say just exactly what the Bible has to say about the subject of end time prophecy and all the prophetic events that are, are to take place. But today we're going to be talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Now the millennial just means a thousand years. And it really talks about this thousand year reign of Christ. In Revelation chapter number 20, you will find that six times this time span of a thousand years is mentioned in Revelation chapter number 20. And what it's in reference to, it's in reference to the moment, the time that Jesus literally comes back to this earth and literally sits on David's throne in the temple that is to be rebuilt. It's destroyed right now. It has not been rebuilt. It will be rebuilt. And whenever the day comes, Jesus will come back and literally sit on David's throne. And he will rule and reign this world for this thousand-year reign. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be unpacking some of the millennial reign, this thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times folks come up to me and say, Pastor, when will the world come to an end? And I say, well, first of all, I don't know. I don't have the answer to those questions. But I do know this. There's something I do know. I do know that this little world that we are in today, should the rapture of the church take place tomorrow morning... I do know that this world will stay in existence for a thousand and seven more years, possibly longer because there's a short span there, but at least a thousand and seven years, this world will be in existence as it is today. Well, you may say, well, what about the ozone, the hole in the ozone? And what about, um, uh, what they call it, um, global warming? And what about the polar ice caps and melting? And what about all of this? And what about all we see in the movies, you know, in the year 2012 movie that's out there? And I watched it and it was a little bit comical, although I just, you know, just kind of shake that kind of... What about all that? I'm here to tell you today what the Bible says. And the Bible clearly defines for us that this world, as we know it today, pretty much, now there's going to be some things that have changed, but the world today, this earth today will be here for another thousand and seven years should the Lord return to call out and rapture the church out first thing tomorrow morning. So we're going to be talking about that thousand year period this morning. Now I will say this, the Bible has a tremendous amount of material about the thousand year reign of Christ. Some people come and ask me about the battle of Armageddon and I'm here to tell you that the Bible doesn't have much to say about it other than Jesus will speak and it'll be over. I mean, that's kind of it, okay? That's it in a nutshell. It doesn't have a whole lot more to say about that. But the Bible is very extensive. The Word of God is very detailed whenever it comes to the millennial reign, this 1,000-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can find a tremendous amount of information in the Word of God pertaining to that. I would love to share all of that with you. 
But there's no way I can touch base on all that the Bible has to say about this 1,000-year period in this 30 minutes or so that I have to share with you this morning. So what we're going to do today, we're just going to skim the surface. We're going to hit the high points. We're going to look at about four or five different areas, and we're going to try to unpack briefly just so you will be familiar with it. And hopefully and prayerfully, you'll be able to take some notes on the back of your worship folder and jot some of these things down and go home and start studying this out yourself. I will say this. Every message that we've preached from the pulpit of Victory Church from the year 2006 under present unless there was a technical problem, is on our podcast. So there are literally hundreds of messages that you can go online to our website, you can go to our podcast page, and you can listen to every message that's been preached, including every single one of these on what does the Bible say about the end time prophecy. So if I encourage you to go back and study that, I will say this also. If you would like to have my study notes on these subjects, all you have to do is email me. I'll give you anything I have to help you grow in your faith and grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. There have been several of you that have asked for these on a regular basis, and I'll just save them in a PDF format, and I'll send them out to you, and boom, they're yours. You have all the scripture references. You have all the detailed notes that I have that I can't unpack here. I just don't have time to do it, and you'll have that to study. So all you got to do is request, send in an email to me or to the church office, let Donetta know, and we'll get these notes out to you that will help you in your knowledge of some of this end time prophecy. So in review real quickly, by the way, let me ask a question. This is a test. Okay. Here's your first question. Matter of fact, this test has one question. So you're either going to flunk it or, or pass it right now. Okay. Here we go. One question. What is the next prophetic event that is to take place on God's count? Notice I did not say a pathetic event. I said a prophetic event. What is the next prophetic event to take place on God's calendar? What's the next thing that's going to take place? The rapture. The rapture of the church. So let me give you a quick overview of, of kind of where we've been. And we've tried to go in order on some of the prophetic, some of the future events that are to take place. The next event that is to take place is the rapture of the church. That's the next event. And then we see the tribulation period. That's that seven-year tribulation period. And we've, we've dealt an entire message on this tribulation period. That's that seven-year period. Now, there'll be three and a half years of peace. And then there'll be three and a half years of what is known as, as the Great Tribulation, what's also known as the Bible says, the abomination of desolation that will take place when the Antichrist literally sits on David's throne and demands worldwide worship and, of course, beheads those who will not fall and worship the beast. And that's that Great Tribulation period. That is after the rapture of the church. And then we have the judgment seat of Christ. Now, here's, here's another question. Who is the judgment seat of Christ for? Who will be standing at the judgment seat of Christ? Who said, who said believers? Believers, that's exactly right. At the judgment seat of Christ will only be believers, will only be Christians. Now understand, let me ask you another question. <laughs> By the way, that's the way Jesus taught. You go read the teachings of Jesus, you'll see that he taught by asking questions. Will there be fire in heaven? We know there'll be fire in hell. Will there be fire in heaven? The answer is yes. Where will the fire be? The fire will be at the judgment seat of Christ. 
When we as believers and we as Christ followers, those that have, have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, whenever we are raptured out, the next event to take place for us in the rapture is that snatching away, that calling away, when the church is called out. The next thing that will happen for us as believers is the judgment seat of Christ. And there's where we will stand and we will be judged, get this, not whether we're saved or lost, not whether we go to heaven or hell, that's already been judged. That was judged on the cross and it was solidified when you placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's already taken care of. What will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ are our works. Now get this, it goes deeper than that. It's not just what we do, but it's going to be the motive behind what we do. You see, that's what's going to be purged through the fire. At the judgment seat of Christ, our works will be tried. So I want you to ask yourself a question. Why do I do what I do? Why, what I do? why do I preach? Why does the band play? Why do, why do the vocalists sing? Why do you teach a class? Why do you work sound? Why are you a deacon? Why are you a pastor? Why are you a lay leader? Why are you leading a ministry? Patty does coffee. coffee. Patty, Patty, why do you do coffee? I mean, every single thing that we do for the cause of Christ, we're one day going to stand before God and we're going to be purged through the fire. The Bible talks about wood, hay, and stubble, how that will be consumed if our motives are not pure. But if our motives are pure and while we are serving, then it will come out as gold and precious stones and then we will receive a reward. And I can't go back and preach this whole sermon. It's one of my favorites. I love preaching about the five crowns that can be earned. And I think the guys covered that in one of the messages. You can go listen to that on the podcast. So we have the rapture. We have the tribulation period. We have the judgment seat of Christ. Then we have that, that jubilation time that every Baptist is looking forward to. That moment when we get to have, listen, our famous... Our, our famous marriage supper of the Lamb. That's going to be a homecoming spread like you have never seen before. I promise you there's going to be a feast. Come on, guys. I mean, you like fried chicken? I think there's going to be some good fried chicken there. I, I don't know about all that. The point is, it's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's when the Lord's going to lay out a banquet for us. It's going to be a feast for us when the marriage takes place. And I think they discussed that just a week or so ago. And then the next event to take place is the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord literally comes back and we now are coming back with him. And he literally stands on the Mount of Olives. And the scripture talks about it cleaving in the middle. And then of course there you'll see a little bit about the battle of Armageddon that would take place. And the judgment of the nations. And this takes place at the close of the tribulation period. During the tribulation period the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb is taking place. At the close of the tribulation period is when Jesus comes back and we come back with him. And that's where you find the judgment of the nations that are mentioned in, Gen in Matthew chapter number 25. Okay? So that's kind of an overview on where we've been and where we are. And some of the order of events that are, take, are to take place concerning prophecy that's to take place in in the future now by the way no man knows when these events are going to start transpiring nobody knows when the Lord's going to come back and call his church out we don't know when the end is going to be but here's what I do know you need to plan your life like Jesus is never coming and you need to live your life like he's coming first thing in the morning hello 
I don't know when he's coming. So I've got to make plans for my future and for my life. We've got to plan for Victory Church to be here for generation after generation after generation. We've still got a building to build. We've still got things to do. We've got to plan like he's never coming. But we've got to live our life like he's coming first thing in the morning. And I ask the question, are you ready to meet him? Well, I hope and pray we all are. So today I want us to look into the millennial reign of Christ. Now I'm going to try quickly, and I can already tell you I'm not going to get through these five points, but I'm going to give them to you. I'm probably going to unpack one or two, maybe three of them in a little more detail and just give you a couple. But we're going to look at five different areas pertaining to the, the, um, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to ask the question, where is the Savior? What would Jesus be doing during the millennial reign? We're going to ask the question, where is Satan when all of this is taking place? So we're going to talk about the Savior. We're going to talk about Satan. And then we're going to ask the question, well, where are the saints? What are we doing during the millennial reign of Christ? And then we're going to ask the question, will there be sinners in the millennial reign? It's a very good question. We're going to unpack that briefly. And then we're going to talk about briefly and in closing, I'm just going to hit some highlights and share this with you. And this is why you will need my notes to study this one out. We're going to talk about society in that day. So we're going to talk about the Savior. We're going to talk about Satan. We're going to talk about the saints. We're going to talk about the sinners. We're going to talk about society in that day and what that looks like in the millennial reign. Now, I'll be honest with you. The Bible has a tremendous amount of information in all five of those areas that you can go and unpack. I mean, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that you can go and you can study about those five areas. I'm going to give them to you very briefly this this morning, okay? So first of all, let's look and see... The Savior during the millennial, millennium reign of, uh, millennial reign of Christ. We see in, in Revelation chapter 20 and verses 4 through 6. Now I'm just going to be picking different parts of Revelation chapter 20. You stay there in your Bible. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 4. It says, Then I saw thrones, and people owned them who were given authority to judge. And I also saw the people who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus. And because of God's word, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands, and they came to life, and they reigned with the Messiah for 1,000 years. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of the Messiah And they will reign with him 1,000 years. Guys, can I get you to turn the monitors down on me just a little? I'm getting some ringing up here. So the question we're asking is, what would Jesus be doing during the millennial reign? What would Jesus be doing during the millennium? Well, first of all, I want you to jot this down. He will be reigning I mean, he will be reigning. He will be sitting on the throne. At long last, the Lord Jesus Christ will literally come and sit on David's throne. Do you remember the threefold prophecy that's mentioned back in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 and verse number 7? Most of the time you read this passage of Scripture at Christmas. And the Scripture talks about, for a child will be born and a son will be given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. You remember that passage? We usually use that for a Christmas passage. Because the Bible talks about a child will be born in that passage. Now you've got to understand, some 700 years before the birth of Christ, that prophecy was out there. Isaiah started proclaiming 700 years before Jesus was born that a child would be born. 
And then there's great prophecy and great detail in the birth of this child. And the Bible fulfills every single prophecy pertaining to the birth of this child. A child will be born. And then the other prophecy, it's a threefold prophecy. A child will be born. Secondly, a son will be given. When was the son given? The son was given on the cross when Jesus, when God the Father gave his only son to die on the cross for the sins of the world so that we all could be saved. So a child was born, that was fulfilled. A son was given, that was fulfilled on the cross of Calvary. But there's a third part of that prophecy that has yet to be fulfilled out of Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 6 and 7. And it says that the government shall rest, shall be upon his shoulders. Question, has the government ever been laid upon the shoulders of Jesus up to this time? No. Will the government rest upon the shoulders of Jesus? Will he reign as Isaiah prophesied? Sure he will. When will that take place? During the millennial reign. I mean, the rapture of the church is going to take place. The seven-year tribulation is going to take place. While we're in heaven, we'll experience the judgment seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we will come back with Him, and we will be reigning with Him. But Jesus will be reigning. He will be ruling the earth. That's the second thing I want you to jot down. Not only will He be reigning, He will also be ruling. And the Bible says in Revelation verse, chapter 19 and verse 15 that He will rule the, the world with a rod of iron. You know what's not going to be tolerated in that day? Rebellion. I mean, everyone will worship him in that day. Rebellion will not be tolerated. I mean, Satan's going to be bound. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Jesus is on the throne. He is ruling. He is guiding. He is leading the entire known world. And they will be listening to him. He'll not tolerate any rebellious spirit. We see that he's reigning. We see that he's ruling. Third thing we see, that he is receiving. Well, what is he receiving? Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 5 says, And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. You know what this, this verse is saying? It said, finally one day, mankind will be able to see the glory of the Lord. You know what he'll be receiving that day? He'll be receiving glory. He'll be receiving worship. We will look on him, and we will see the glory of our resurrected Lord in that day. So Jesus is going to be reigning, he's going to be ruling, and he's going to be receiving the glory that's certainly due him. There's a whole lot more I could say about that, but I've got to move on. Jesus will be on the throne. He will literally come and sit on David's throne in the temple. Question again, has the temple been built today? Is there a temple in existence in Jerusalem today? Answer, no, there isn't. What do you think all the turmoil is over there about? It's about that holy ground. It's about the Temple Mount. We have the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac that have been fighting all the way back since the day of Abraham. When God came to Abraham and Sarah, I will give you a child and I will bless his seed and it will be as the numbers of the star and the sands of the seas and I will make you a great nation. You remember that prophecy? Well, God didn't work as fast as Abraham and Sarah thought he should work. So Sarah gave Abraham his handmaid or her handmaid. You remember her name? Her name was Hagar. 
You remember how Hagar, how, how Sarah gave Abraham Hagar, which is a foolish thing, I don't even understand this, and said, go lie with my handmaid and have a child, and that will be the promised child of the Messiah, of God. And of course he did, and they had a son. You remember his name? His name is Ishmael. And then, of course, there was a great rage and jealousy that took place on, what was Sarah thinking? Uh-huh. Right? Abraham, do away with this child. Do away with this woman. I'm sure Abraham probably like, well, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. Can I ever please you? <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't go there. That's probably a bad illustration. So he takes her out and, and he leaves her out in the wilderness and she makes one last meal for Ishmael and she gets up under a bush and she said, well, we'll just die right here. And the angel of the Lord, God wants to get administered grace. Although that was not his will, he still administered grace and he said, no, your child shall live. And they lived. But they lived and went on thinking they were the promised seed. But yet God then gave Sarah at a ripe old age a child by the name of Isaac which is the one that's to receive the inheritance. And that's what all the turmoil is in the Middle East. Money won't solve it. A better government will not solve it. They are at, it's all going to come down to a religious battle between Ishmael and Isaac. I mean, everything you see goes back to that point. So what is all the problem over there? They're battling who's going to be able to build the temple. Who's going to get that property to build the temple? The temple is not, has not been built today. It will be built. Jesus will come back and rule and reign on that temple. And he will rule, reign, and receive worship. Let's look where Satan's going to be. Not only do we see the Savior during the millennium, but I want to look at Satan during the millennium. Look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 through 3. Here we see, first of all, that Satan will be jailed. I mean, he'll be put in prison. Look, if you will, in Revelation chapter 20, 1 through 3. It says, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand, and he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for how long? A thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss and he closed it and he put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the 1,000 years were completed. And after that, he must be released for a short time. So what's going to happen to Satan during the millennium? The Bible says that he will be chained and he will be thrown into the abyss. He will be thrown into prison. And he will be there for how long? 1,000 years. So we see in Scripture that we're going to find out that God's enemy, Satan, the devil, will no longer be able to hinder God's work, will no longer be able to tempt God's people. He will not be able to work in the lives of the lost during this millennial reign. He will be bound. He will be in prison. May I remind you that 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 4 says this. It says that Satan is the prince and the power of of this present world that we live in today. And who is the God of this world? Now I'm talking about the earthly domain. Who is the God of this world? You know who it is? It's Satan. Now understand that our God, Jehovah, is in supreme control and he just allows Satan so much power. Satan doesn't have power to overturn God. But the prince of the power of the air, according to the scripture, is Satan himself. He will be bound. He will be thrown into prison during the millennial reign of Christ. Not only will he be jailed, the second thing I want you to see, he will be judged. Look, if you will, in chapter 7, 
I mean, I'm sorry, Genesis, or Revelation chapter 20, verse 7 through verse number 10. Get this now. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. At the end of this thousand year period, what's happening? Talk to me. Give me some interaction here. Satan's going to be what? Released. He's bound. He's chained. He's in prison for this thousand years. But at the end of the thousand years, the Bible says that Satan will be released from his prison. Verse 8. What's he going to do? He will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. And their number is like the sand of the sea. And they came up over the surface of the earth and they surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city, which is Jerusalem. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever. Now what does the Bible tell us? The Bible, God's word says about Satan, that yes, he will be jailed, but then he will be released and judged. The Bible says at the end of this 1,000-year period that Satan himself will be brought up out of the abyss. He'll be released. Get this. This totally blows me away. That he will go out and he will deceive many. The Scripture says as many as the sand of the sea. In other words, a great number of people he will deceive. And he's going to deceive them into thinking that they can gather together and go to war against God and overcome the holy city. And of course God sees it, boop, fire comes down to heaven, it's done. Okay? What an idiot he is. He should have learned by now. Hello? But what's going to happen? Satan's going to be jailed, he's going to be released, and he's going to be judged. Now I understand Satan being foolish, he's been foolish forever. And I can understand him doing foolish things. But here's the thing that blows me away. you got to understand this, guys. Get this. And I promise you I'm going to try to hurry. But I want you to get this. During the millennial reign of Christ, there will be peace and prosperity on this earth like has never been since possibly the Garden of Eden. I mean, everybody that is there is going to be living under the goodness and the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be benefiting from the reign of Jesus on the throne. There's going to be peace and prosperity like has never been. I mean, God's going to be pouring his goodness out on all people, yet while people are receiving the goodness and the blessings of God, they will then turn on him. They'll become allies with Satan. And go to battle against God and his people. That blows me away. To me, that's hard to comprehend. That although we're sitting there and we are receiving the goodness of God, we can be deceived. You know what? You know what I think the millennial does probably more than anything? And I'll I'll get into this maybe just a little bit later. But I think it reveals the wickedness and the hard-heartedness of man. Because here, once again, you're going to see that some are going to be deceived into following after Satan. Here's what I want you to know. It doesn't matter how God good is to someone. Until that someone is saved by the grace of God and changed by the power of God, I want you to know they are wicked to the core. Hello? Did you get what I just said? 
You can be as religious as you want to be, and you can go to church, you can sing praise, you can do all kind of stuff churchy you want to be. But until you are saved, until you are born again, until there's been a heart change in your life, I want you to know that you, my friend, are wicked to the core. Hello? I mean, it takes Jesus to transform a life from the inside out. And anybody without Christ, anyone that has not been born again, at the core of that individual, no matter if they've received the goodness of God or not, at the core of that individual, there's nothing but wickedness and malice and envy and hatred, cold-heartedness. But you know what, guys? None of that's ever changed. Can I give you this real quickly? There are various ways ever since the beginning of time all the way to the present and all the way into the future in which God himself has tried to reach mankind and mankind would not respond in love to a good God. Let me give you something real quickly. I want you to notice, you remember the age of innocence in Genesis chapter 3? That ended with willful disobedience. The age of conscience in Genesis 5 through 6, that ended with universal corruption. The age of human government in Genesis chapter 11, that ended with devil worship at the Tower of Babel. The age of promise in Genesis 12 through Exodus 1, that ended with the people of God in bondage in Egypt. The age of the law in Exodus 12 and Matthew 27, that ended with humanity, get this, killing the Creator on the cross. The age of the church, From the day of Pentecost until whenever the rapture takes place, you know how that's going to end? That's going to end with worldwide apostasy, where the church itself will become an apostate church, turning from the doctrines of a holy God. Hello, church, you listening to me? The age of the tribulation in Revelation 19 will end with the battle of Armageddon. The age of the millennial reign will end with an attempt to overthrow God himself. What's the point in all of that? The point in all of that is I want you to see that the human heart is desperately wicked. It's so black. It's so deceitful. It's so hard. And I'm telling you the only way that any of us will ever stand before a holy God and spend eternity in heaven is when we do something about that wicked heart that's within every single one of us. And that's when we turn it over to Christ and we ask Him to save us and we repent of our sins and come into our life and be our Lord and be our Savior. Guys, it's not about doing church. It's about having heart surgery. Hello? The Savior during the millennial, Satan during the millennium. Third thing I want you to see, where are the saints? I got to hit these quickly. The saints during the millennium. I want you to look in verses, verse uh, number 4, Revelation chapter 20, verse 4. Three things we can see about the saints. I, I won't have time to unpack a lot of this. What will we be doing? What will the saints of God be doing during the millennium? Well, in verse number 4 it says... I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I want you to know this. All the saints of God, and by that, in this reference of Scripture, I'm talking about every single individual that has received the Lord Jesus Christ from the day of Pentecost until the rapture of the church, and even those that have, been, that have accepted Christ through the tribulation period. And by the way, Jews and Gentiles both will be able to be saved during the tribulation period. They will have to die martyrs' death for their faith. 
They'll be beheaded, the scripture teaches us. But those individuals and all of those that have accepted Christ from the day of Pentecost all the way up through the rapture of the church. You know what we'll be doing? We will be reigning with the Lord. The Bible says, look in verse number 4, I saw thrones, that's positions of authority. I saw thrones and people, who are those people? Those people are the saints of God. Friends, listen, whenever we come back with Jesus, we are going to come back and rule and reign this world with Him. He's going to place us in positions of authority all over this globe. And that's what that's in reference to. We will be reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only that, they'll also be resurrected. I want you to look at the middle of verse number 4. And I also saw the people who had been beheaded. Who are these people that had been beheaded? I want you to get this, church. Who are these people that have been beheaded? These people that have been beheaded are the tribulation saints. Okay? Those individuals that accepted Christ during the tribulation, what's going to happen to them? They're going to be reigning with us. Look what it says. A resurrection is going to take place at that time. I also saw the people who have been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of God's word who had not, get this, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. These are those tribulation saints. They will be reigning also and be on the thrones, the people that are seated there. And then, of course, the saints will be received, the latter part of verse number four. And they came to life and they reigned with the Messiah for 1,000 years. Guys, you know what we'll be doing during the millennium? Reign of Christ will be reigning with him. Amen? I've often said jokingly that maybe the Lord will allow me to be the mayor of Mascuda. Hello? I can see Tracy being the mayor of O'Fallon. I already see that. You know, the, the point is, the Lord is going to place us in positions of authority on these thrones, positions of authority all over the globe. And we'll be working, of course, under his leadership. But the saints, you see a little bit about the saints during the millennium. I got, I got to go on. Let's look, I want, let's look at another area, the sinners. Question, will there be sinners during this 1,000-year reign of cross? And sometimes we don't even think about this. We just think about what, where we will be as saints. Will there be lost people? Will there be sinners during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ? Short answer is yes, there will be. Who do you think are going to be the individuals that Satan's going to deceive? It's going to, it's going to be those that have been commanded to worship. You see, God's not going to put up with any rebellion. Jesus is not going to put up with any spirit of, of discord. You'll get in church and you will worship and you will worship him. And you'll, you'll have this outward obedience. But inwardly, some will not have ever accepted him by faith. Not ever trusted in him as the Lord and Savior. You've got to remember, we're talking about a thousand years. How many people you think have been born over the last 1,000 years? And when you get all the, these saints coming in, the tribulation saints coming in, we're in the millennial reign, we're ruling and reigning, there's going to be life. There's going to be birth. There's going to be people born during this 1,000-year period. And may I say this, the plan of salvation has always been the same from back in the book of Genesis to when Cain and Abel brought the very first offering, which, which was a type of, uh, of cross and the crucifixion, the, all the way to the end, salvation has never changed. What's salvation going to be in? Every Old Testament individual that's ever trusted in God as their Savior, you know what they did? They looked to the cross just as we look back to the cross. Salvation has never changed. 
And in the millennial reign of Christ, during that 1,000 year reign, there will be people born. And those people that are being born during that time are going to have a, have a lost nature, just like people being born today. And they will have a need to be born again. And you talk about the thing I marveled about is the goodness of God, the peace, the prosperity through the entire millennial reign and how it behooved me that people would then follow Satan and try to overthrow that. How, where would those people come from? You know where those people had come from? It had come from those individuals that had an outward expression of obedience to a holy God but never had an inward change of the heart and they will be deceived by Satan and they will follow him and try this overthrow that's going to take place. You say, wow, I couldn't believe that would happen during the millennium. Don't be amazed at that. It happens every Sunday in church. Hello? What do you mean it happens every Sunday in church? Here's what I mean. I mean, there are people that come to church because they know they should. It's the right thing to do. There's people that come to church and think, man, I'll just pay my religious duty and I'll go to church today and I'll sing the songs. And I'll even hold my hand up a little bit. I may even teach a class. But you know, all this is outward stuff. I don't know that I really believe any of it. Hello? What a miserable state it must be in to come and go through the emotions but never really have a heart change. You see, guys, it's not about coming to church. It's not about paying your tithe. It's not about being religious. It's about being born again. It's about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So there'll be sinners there in that day, and, and, and there's a whole lot more I could unpack about that, but, but I'm just going to skip it and go on. If you want information about that, I'll give you my notes, and you can run the references and see that. Let me talk quickly about society. I want you to see society during the millennium. Quickly. <laughs> Matter of fact, I got down here about 25 different things about the society of that day. Now, I'm not going to be able to preach all of them, so let me just run down the list real quickly. I promise you, you'll want my notes on this. Quickly, let me share with you some changes that will take place during this millennial reign. First of all, I want you to know there's peace. There's a ceasing of all war. There's a peace on the earth like never has been possibly since the Garden of Eden. There's a personal peace. There's a national peace. There's a unification of nations. There's economic prosperity. I mean, the culture, everything's going to change under the reign of Jesus. There's great joy. I mean, the fullness of joy will be the trademark of His kingdom. There's holiness that is there. Mm. Oh, can you imagine living for a thousand years on an earth that's filled with the holiness of God? No wickedness. Remember, Satan's bound. Right? All of those that aren't believers, they're acting like they are. <laughs> I mean, sin's not going to be tolerated. Rebellion's not going to be tolerated. Joy, holiness. There's glory. The kingdom will be a glorious kingdom. There's comfort. Jesus will fully minister to every single need. The fullness of comfort we'll experience during the millennium. There's justice that'll take place. There's full knowledge that'll take place. There's instruction that'll take place. There, get this. There's the removal of the curse. You remember in Genesis chapter 3? One of the curses that God placed, not only on the woman, not only the man for the sin, but also the curse on the earth. Guys, you know the Bible talks about, the scripture talks about how this earth is groaning for the day of redemption. There's a curse on this earth. I think that sometimes attributes to some of the tsunamis and some of the earthquakes and some of the tornadoes and all these other things that we see. I think a lot of that is the res a result of the curse that's on this earth. I do know that every weed in my garden is a curse. Hello? <laughs> the removal of the curse, which will increase in productivity and prosperity, 
Sickness will be removed. The king will be our healer. So sickness and death will vanish. Here's something else that's interesting. In Isaiah 29, verse 17 through 19, Isaiah 35, 3 through 6, there's going to be a healing of all deformity. You see, in our world today, we look around and there's some human beings that through birth defects and other things are deformed today. There'll be none of that in the kingdom age. Hello? There'll be none of that in the millennial. There'll be protection, supernatural preservation like we've never experienced before. There'll be no oppression. There'll be no social, political, racial, religious uh, oppression in that day. None. Here's something else that I find interesting. Isaiah 65 and 20. And I guess these stick out to me more since, since my wife has her new job and individuals that she's working with. I guess for lack of better terms, there'll be no immaturity. And by that, mean, by that I mean there'll be no mental disorders. There'll be no mental disabilities. You see, I know my wife takes care of some guys that are in their 20s and 30s. And, and literally they have the mind of a five-year-old or four-year-old or, or what have you. Do you realize in the millennial there'll be none of that? Who would not want to live there? Hello? We also know, according to Jeremiah 30 and 20, Jeremiah 31, 29, Ezekiel 47, 22, that there will be reproduction of life. Babies will be in, being born during this 1,000-year reign. We know that there will get this. Hello, everybody wake up right here. You know there will be labor. There will be work. Laziness will not be tolerated. <laughs> you will work. Now remember, the curse has been removed. So can you imagine working all day and never sweating or getting tired? Hello, that's the curse. By, by the way, work is not the curse. Get that. God has always intended on you to work. Hello, young people understand that. There is no such thing as living this life and not working. Work is not the curse. The fact that you sweat and you get sore and you get tired, all of that is the curse, not work itself. So whenever we get into this 1,000-year kingdom, we're going to be working. We're going to be working certainly for the Lord. So there'll be no laziness, no welfare system. Hello? Everybody be working. There'll be economic prosperity. There'll be unified language. All language barriers will be re removed according to Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 9. There'll be unified worship where the entire world will worship God and worship Jesus. And I got about 20 references for that. There's, there'll be a, listen, there'll be a manifest presence of God everywhere during this millennial reign. And to have the fullness of the Spirit. Now I'm talking about the millennial reign of Christ. Who would not want to be part of that society? You say, well, how do I become part of that? I hope, hope you can see through every single area. When we talk about the Savior, we talk about Satan, we talk about the saints, we talk about the sinners, we talk about society. I hope you can see at the core of every single, single bit of that is faith. We must have faith in the person of Jesus Christ. So I wonder this morning as musicians come, and God, I promise you, I just hit the highlights of this. This study, I promise you, you can dig and study in this for weeks and weeks and hours and days, and it is so vast. And I'm thankful that, that God took time in His Word to teach us about this age. I mean, I want to live there. How do I get to the place where I can live there? I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I ask him to forgive me and I confess my sins to him. I ask him to be my Lord and my Savior. To 
come into my life. I give him full control and authority of my life. He's the Lord. He rules. He reigns in my life. I'm just his vessel. Have you done that? Have you come to the place in your life where you've realized you're a sinner and have you given your life to Christ? If you haven't, guys, I promise you there's no other way into this kingdom. There's no other way into this kingdom except you be born again. I hope and pray you are. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ, my prayer is that right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, please, right now, will you just whisper this prayer? Just pray something like this. I'll pray the prayer and you just say, Lord, whatever he's praying, me too. Just say, God, I realize that I have sinned. I believe you love me. You died on the cross for me. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. I don't understand everything, but I know that I need to be saved. I need to be born again. Right now, I give you my life. Father, I pray for those that have prayed that prayer this morning. God, I know the only way into this kingdom is through the cross. The only way in is through Jesus. I pray that right now, that whoever's sitting here this morning prayed that prayer, either of salvation or possibly even rededication, recommitting their life to you. Father, we need you. Without you, God, we're nothing. Bless in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.